ready for a few tales from the road. The one less travel by for sure. I'm Doug Wallace from TravelRight.today. Welcome to episode four. Thank you for clicking through. No thanks to those other deadbeat friends of mine who haven't heard a single word I've been saying this whole time. They're going to get a talking to. We begin today with an age-old problem, how to pack a suitcase. A simple thing, really. A child could do it. But no one does it right, and it makes me absolutely crazy. Packing a suitcase properly needn't be the eat the frog exercise that everybody thinks it is. If you follow these easy steps, snap, the job's a game. Number one, you have to start early. Haul out a suitcase and throw it in a corner and then add in the seasonal stuff you know you'll need right away. This is also a good time to discern if anything needs to be mended, dry cleaned or replaced. Start a list on your phone and add to it as things occur to you and make another list of stuff that you're going to need to buy. I keep a cardboard box in my office and just throw things into that as they occur to me. Number two, check the facilities on the other end. Is there a washer and dryer at your Airbnb or a laundromat around the corner? A quick Google of this can cut the amount of clothes you need to take along in half. Some hotels and cruise lines have stopped charging those crazy, stupid prices like they once used to. If you don't know, just pick up the phone and ring the hotel in advance and ask what they charge. Number three, mix and match, people. Absolutely everything in your luggage needs to go together in some way. Break it down into one color palette. I do navy, tan, cream, purple, mauve, powder blue, eggplant, and maybe some pink. On Wednesdays, we wear pink. Number four, go with neutrals. White shirt, black shirt, blue shirt, repeat. Tan pants, black pants. Versatile neutrals can be dressed up with colorful accessories that weigh much less. Jewelry or whatever it is. Number five, embrace the power of one. One jacket, one suit, one skirt, one pair of blue jeans, one pair of khakis, one swimsuit. You get the idea. Number six, embrace the power of two. If you're not going to wear something at least twice, leave it at home. Number seven, go easy on the shoes. No one's looking at your feet anyway. Again, this is the power of one. Take only one pair of everything. One dressy, one casual, one sandal, one runner. Make sure you can actually run in the runner. Make sure at least one of these pairs of shoes is waterproof. Number eight, Wear things that are on their last legs. Pack a few crap items, dead suckettes, yellowing white polos, frayed dress shirts, and then just wear and toss. This makes room in your suitcase for the nice new clothes you're going to be buying in the south of France. Number nine, keep outerwear simple. Jackets need to be either on your back or made of scrunchable nylon. No bulky sweaters allowed. Number 10, Pare down the toiletries. This is hard for some of the ladies. Pack bathroom items that provide as much double duty as possible. For example, moisturizer with an SPF, shampoo and conditioner in one, scented lotion so you don't need to carry fragrance, etc. Chances are good that you don't need all that stuff. Eye cream? You're not going to put on eye cream. You're on holiday. You're going to be too busy passing out to put on eye cream. Number 11. Dump all the heavy stuff. No books or magazines, tablets only. Speaking of which, you don't need both a laptop and a tablet. 
Number 12. I can't believe we're at 12. Streamline the other gizmos. Pack the point and shoot, not the SLR. Leave things like travel steamers and coffee makers at home. Oh, here's a bonus tip. You're so lucky. A bonus tip. Create a mini drugstore kit. This should include ibuprofen, acetaminophen, sinus congestion medicine, cold and flu tablets, alcohol-based wipes, anti-diarrhea medicine, anti-nausea medicine, an antacid, various sizes of adhesive bandages, and throat lozenges. Check with your doctor before taking any medication, and don't forget the heartburn pills at your peril. Don't forget those. That was a lot of tips. The hot hotel of the week this week is the Unico 20 degrees, 87 degrees Hotel Riviera Maya on the Caribbean side of Mexico. I wrote about it last year for Air Canada's En Route magazine. It's an upscale, adults-only, all-inclusive that is just so beautifully designed, and they really are the pioneers of the reinvention of the all-inclusive, making it cooler than it has been in years. The Unico has so many swimming pools, even the swimming pools have swimming pools. The Yucatecan restaurant there is superb. It's called Cueva Siete, or Cave 7. And they rotate in top Mexican chefs to do a stint and then move on to someone else. It's a very cool concept. And they'll let you create your own margarita if you ask nicely. There's a food event there in July and August where each week a different big chef takes control of one of the Unico restaurants and transforms it into their very own kitchen. Chefs from Mexico, Spain, and Ireland trade off wearing the big apron strings. It's a fun idea. Rooms in the Unico start at $370 per night. And remember that this is an all-inclusive price. Visit UnicoHotelRivieraMaya.com. This episode's essential is the Genius Pack compression cubes. As baggage fees rise and carry-ons get smaller and smaller, organizing the way you pack becomes paramount, as mentioned a few minutes ago, if you were indeed listening. The brand Genius Pack has a set of three zippered nylon pouches, small, medium, and large. I like them because they let you squeeze in more into your suitcase with a stretchy cover that helps scrunch everything down. Those are about $50 for a set of three. A big one holds a dozen dress shirts. That's no guff. Visit GeniusPack.com. In my ongoing quest to eat my way around the world, you know I'm getting really good at it. One of my favorite things to do is eat something called sneaky solo lunch. I sneak off and sit down to a nice $100 lunch, and then I don't say anything ever. No one notices it on the credit card because I'm the credit card administrator. I walked into what I thought was a cafe recently, but it turned out to be a bit fancy, so I just sat down anyway. I had the full-size lobster roll, French fries, a silver boat of hollandaise, a frise salad, and a glass of wine. It was almost $85. Second to really, really enjoying it, not telling anyone about it is also part of the fun. Treat yourself. Seriously, life is short, too short to worry about the odd sinful lunch. When it comes to dining out in strange towns, though, the advice today is to plan ahead so you don't waste time thinking about it while you're on the ground, or you get stuck eating somewhere crap because you just didn't know any better. I hit the websites of the independent weekly news magazines in the cities I'm visiting, like the Toronto Life or the Time Out of that particular town. I open up a map and I see where I'm sleeping and what's making the culinary headlines in my newfound neighborhood, and then I make all the dinner reservations before I leave home. This solves a variety of problems. A. With a plan, there's no eating the same things twice. You mix it up. 
B, you don't get stuck in a tourist trap waterfront place eating crap fish and chips at tourist trap prices. C, you get to see a bit more of the town if the hot new restaurant you absolutely must eat in is in an up-and-coming neighborhood somewhere cool. Don't be that couple that's reading the menus all the way down the street. Hate that. Your stomach will thank you for this forethought. When you do your research, the world is your lobster roll. And speaking of dead fish, here's a piece of my mind. I'm one of those people who was lucky enough to take a swim in the Dead Sea one day. I was on a press trip with a group of LGBTQ journalists scoping out both Jerusalem and Tel Aviv. And the Dead Sea was a stop on the itinerary. My thoughts? Dead boring. We were at Nev Midbar Beach in the West Bank. Elevation minus 400 meters. The lowest place on Earth. And guess what? The Dead Sea. It's a lake. What? One third of this water is salt. So we floated like eggs, shrieking as we tried to flip ourselves from front to back. It was actually difficult to swim without flipping over. We slathered each other with thick black mud and then let it dry in the sun before showering it off. That was super fun. I'd heard stories of oil slicks and Russian rent boys at the southern, more touristy end of the lake. But here in the north, things were kind of dead. All white plastic chairs and fake grass and terrible ice cream. Not being religious, I wasn't expecting much. But people come here in droves to find a connection to their religion. Could you not spruce it up a bit? I mean, build some kind of pavilion or a shoreline boardwalk or something. Quite dead. There was a souvenir shop and a nice man with a camel offering rides and photo ops. I felt really sad for him, but not much else. In the end, I didn't have a religious experience. I just had a beer. Beer can make anything better, can't it? I'm not going to go on, but I sure could. I guess today's moral is, when you have the word dead in your name, you're going to need a marketing plan of some kind. Turn that dead frown upside down, you know what I mean? That's it for today. You won't forget to indulge in your secret lunch, will you? That's good advice. Find more travel tips and tricks at travelright.today. Thank you for listening, and please share this with your friends.